Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision, build up, become strong. Welcome back to another Strong Towers Podcast. This is John Ackerman, and with me is Tom Edwards. Mike Lara is out of town today, unfortunately, uh, but we are joined by our good friend, Nate. And... If you've been following with us for a while, you know that this is an episode series that I have been anxiously and attempting at patience uh, <laughs> as we waited for it to get here. Uh, but we're finally going to talk a little bit about leadership and all the the many ways in which leadership is expressed in our lives. Um, you know, the most obvious places seem to be at work. That's most frequently where we think about it. But there are so many other ways to think about leadership. Uh, where you lead, how you lead, what you lead, who you lead, and how you think of yourself both in the capacity of a leader and as someone who is ultimately always under leadership from someone else. And so, Nate, we're just really glad to have you here with us. Thank you for joining Mm -hmm. us. And we're actually going to flip it to Nate for a couple minutes because, again, if you've been tracking with us for any length of time, you know a little bit about me and you know a little bit about Tom. Uh, So, Nate, you want to get everybody caught up on who you are? You bet. It's great to be here. my background, I grew up in Oregon, a pretty humble background. Um, the military afforded opportunities that I just wouldn't have even really known existed. So mm-hmm. incredibly grateful. I ended up going to West Point. I uh, graduated from there into the light infantry community. So uh, with that track, went through Ranger and Airborne School at Fort Benning, Georgia, and then bounced around various operational assignments, uh, leading soldiers in different environments. Um, I'd always had a dream to go back to West Point and teach. I had a professor who had a huge impact on me. Um, so I ended up going back and teaching leadership there, fell in love with that body of work. And that really has defined, uh, much of my professional, um, uh, contribution and, and focus since. Yeah. And so, um, I'm obviously now out of the military and, uh, continuing to do work in this space of working with individual leaders, uh, as well as organizations. Yeah. Nice. So Nate, what is it about leadership that just really resonates with you that you decided to pursue a career in it, not only in you know, official capacities, but just as what sounds like sort of a lifelong passion and calling? Well, really, uh, I have a, a worldview that leadership matters, that uh, there's, there seems to be um, a, a calling that uh, when, I, when I think about um, Organizations making an impact on individuals' lives and the communities within which they serve. Um, uh, there's something about um, both individual and shared leadership that uh, that really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And um, and so when I think about an organization that's well led, I see people who are growing and developing. I see um, an organizational culture that's sustained and enduring all in service to a cause greater than self. And, um, that usually is, uh, imbued in the heart of a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, with that comes a conviction that investing in, in leader development and growth, uh, matters and, and has a, has an yeah. enduring, um, legacy that goes even, uh, generationally. And so, uh, when working with leaders, I, I have a clear conviction that I'd, I'd rather go deep with a few, with the conviction that um, we can fill a stadium in about five generations. Yeah. And so there's also in my mind a generational view of investing in leaders in such a way that they can also do the same and have a vision for doing the same with others. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a, um, 
and I know from from talking previously, you look at leaders and also the idea of leadership and and kind of have Mm. them separated out as to what the the person is and and then sort of what the person is going to do, right? You bet. Uh, um, One framework that's out there in thinking about uh, leader growth is uh, leader and leadership development. Leader development being the ongoing formation of the man or woman of consequence and character, life purpose, core values, um, emotional capacity to to stay connected and non-reactive because my presence matters more than almost anything I say. Um, hmm. All of that work around self and self-leadership and self-mastery mm-hmm. um, uh, because largely we influence from who we are is is around the the leader development or the, the human being um, versus the human doing. Uh, leadership development could be largely defined as the knowledge and skills uh, necessary to influence in a differing or arrayed set of contexts. So delegation, conflict management, crisis uh, resolution, um, any number of uh, organizational change. Um, so there's a body of research. There's a skill base that I can acquire as a leader to uh, be confident and effective in those environments. Mm-hmm. And you'll sometimes see a leader who um, has really uh, – the leader component is is unbelievable uh, in terms of um, character and, and how they show up, and yet they haven't paid the price to be competent in different contexts. And so it just is a lid on their effectiveness. You'll also come across some leaders who know all the right – they've They've gone to all the right schools. They have yeah. all the knowledge and skills. They, they know the blocks to check for different situations in terms of the, the capability set, but they haven't really taken the formative growth challenge um, towards self-mastery and growth. Yeah. And it just gets in the way of people's ability to trust them or, or really take the journey with them. Yeah. And you just used a phrase that I think I understood, but it just sounded so cool that I want to hear you say more about it. Um, but you were saying that some leaders just haven't paid the price to be competent. What did you mean by that? Well, I wouldn't, I, and I don't, maybe that was too strong. A, maybe I haven't had the experience yet or or I haven't um, uh, had the opportunity to grow in a certain way. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but but it is important for me to keep in mind that I'm a lifelong learner yeah, uh, I, I never arrive, and so in an in adaptive, in a constantly changing, dynamic, adaptive environment, I have to constantly be staying current with the cutting edge of my profession. Yeah. Um, so my competence and my character matter um, in a way that maybe are quite is quite profound. Um, and then building a team around me and understanding how to build a team around me that uh, where we can share leadership, um, and we collectively make leadership happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Without deep competence in our domain, uh, we simply won't have the, um, or in without character, we won't have the moral or the um, domain context uh, authority to lead effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your... Yeah. No, that's great. (laughs) And I don't think that the first statement was overstated at all, because I think just, again, as we're listening to you... You know, we're we're coming from a context where we've had some opportunities to lead in what would be recognized as official capacities, um, you know, but we're still very much in that you know developmental process ourselves. And so, one of the things that I've realized as a lifelong learner is there's just a lot that I don't know, 
Yeah, and there's <laughs> right. and and there's even more that I don't know that I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's just whole realms of knowledge across so many topics that I am blissfully unaware of. And so I've had a few wise people remind me that the most important thing to do as a lifelong learner is just ask questions. That's cool. Right. And and not, you know, subscribe to the the theory that you have much of anything in the way of definitive answers, but that there's always more to learn. And so you were kind enough uh, to shoot some questions our way to kind of help us think about leadership, uh, because it's obviously something that you think about a lot and in depth and detail that most of us probably don't do in our day to day. And so I was, I was just wondering, you know, what are the kinds of questions that are good to ask as you start to think about leadership or being a leader in whichever direction you want to take that? Well, I love what Warren Bennis talks about. He says, don't, don't necessarily set out to be a leader. Mm-hmm. He says, set out to be yourself. Because mm. the place from which you lead most powerfully is, is from your authentic self. And so that sense of clarity around um, what is my life purpose? What are my core values? Um, obviously, we all can align around a common set of values. But there's also some, there's a unique essence to who each of us are that matters, that, that has significance. And the fullest expression of that is the greatest gift we can give the world and the most powerful place from which we can lead. So I think that's a, that's an important, um, and it's a lifelong equifinal journey of understanding more deeply what that is, because it's, it's revealed through experience in many ways. And so a lot of the work on leader growth is most of the research on leader development would argue this, that the primary driver for our development is experience. Mm-hmm. And there's two types of experiences that are highly developmental, um, uh, new and challenging, yeah. those two domains. Okay. So the uh, new is you have a sense of, uh, Carl Weick describes as uh, the opposite of, is, is, is uh, Vujade, the opposite of deja vu. <laughs> yep. I've never been here before. I have no idea what to do. Awesome. Because I'm going to grow. I'm going to create new meaning structures. Yeah. I'm going to learn new things about myself and others. Um, and then challenging where, uh, whoa, this feel, this situation feels a bit bigger than me. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. I'm not even sure if I can do it. Awesome. Because what it's, it, of course, the answer is yes, but I'm going to have, me and myself and my team or teammates, we're going to have to grow into this. Yeah. And so uh, if we if we center growth around self-awareness, what I was talking about earlier is kind of that, that sense of self-concept and then experiences that are new and challenging throughout our life. Um, then there's two things you can build around experience to really accelerate or create a flywheel for, for growth. And that's reflection and feedback as one um, cap- core growth capability and then preparation. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you picture just, that flywheel in effect where I prepare, I have an experience, I reflect and get feedback on it, and then I zoom into preparation again for the next. Um, that cycle is, uh, um, th- that's really kind of the secret sauce for human development. Yeah. And, and if you think about a leader's, our, the tra- a trajectory of a leader's growth, if I'm investing in a leader or if I have the, um, if, with that, that privilege to invest in other leaders or even just in my own growth and development, I'm constantly thinking about what are the next set of experiences that are going to drive growth and development or for my family, the, you know, the privilege of investing in my children, what, what are the next set of experiences that are new and challenging for them? And then I, and then I can support a reflection and feedback process and a preparation process, knowing those are the two key um, 
foundational elements that are going to help them get the most out of their experience. Yeah. Because without preparation and feedback and reflection, it's possible to have an experience and lose the meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even something as simple if I delegate a task and it doesn't go well, um, I might say to myself, well, I won't do that again. <laughs> Versus more uh, reflecting upon, okay, what was the way in which I approached this? Yeah. Sure. Was the teammate ready for this? Did I, was I clear enough? And so mm-hmm. it's a simple example, but it gives you kind of a way of visualizing it. Um, the meta competencies of leadership. Hmm. Uh, you're, this is about a decade or so ago, but the idea was: what are a meta competency is a competency that allows you to acquire other competencies. Okay. So yeah. reading is a meta competency. If I can read, I can acquire new knowledge and skills. So the meta competencies of leadership growth are self awareness and adaptive capacity. Hmm. So the more self aware I am, in the course, that's again, that's a that's a lifelong journey, yeah. and um, the uh, more adaptive I can be in mindset. Um, and way of being, um, I'll be able to acquire new leadership capabilities as the environment, as it changes in, mm-hmm. in a dynamic and volatile way. So I'm thinking through, you know, the self-awareness requires uh, a level of focus on self and, and your own personal understanding, like you've been talking about, of, of who you are, what your values are, um, and, and being able to grow in in your awareness of how you operate um but at the same time that needs to be taking place in something of a selfless environment as you lead right mm-hmm. um and so how do you kind of work out this tension of the way that I can be the best leader for my people is to know myself the best but at the same time I have to be reflecting that outward in a sense, the argument is it's not selfish to focus on an ongoing formation of myself, knowing that my presence matters more than anything I say. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's actually a professional obligation, not selfish, to, in a sense, take care of self first. It's kind of like you're on the airline, the oxygen mask drops, and they say, you know, yep. uh, give it to your kids first. <laughs> no, the, in, in the, you know, no, they say give it, you know, and, and I can't even get my head around that. I can't even imagine doing that. But the reality is if I'm running on fumes, uh, how I show up matters in the sense that it, you know, what's the wake I leave behind? What's the shadow I cast? Mm-hmm. And so if I'm showing up in a negative, drained, tired, it takes energy to connect with people. It takes energy to connect with ideas so that I can make sound decisions. So if I'm not managing my own energy and my own capacities, or I'm not tapped into a sense of deeper life purpose and meaning so that, so that there's a sense of, um, there's a wellspring of uh, meaning in the work and the contribution mm-hmm. I bring and, and the sense of creative force that, I, that I'm able to bring to my team and my family and my community. Um, uh, then, 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 you know, the wake I leave behind is not going to be vibrant, positive, engaging. It's, it's potentially going to be drained and negative. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. even if I have... Um, a set of a clear set of ideas that I'm moving towards my team just won't be able to engage in a way that's meaningful or mm-hmm. I won't be able to make sound and timely decisions because I'm I'm just not managing myself in a way that's helpful yeah. does that answer it does absolutely and, I, and one so, of the things that I like about uh, about where you went is uh, it could be really easy for somebody listening to this conversation to just say oh, okay military officer you know, corporate leader training and all that stuff. But you, you keep bringing up the point of in your family, in your community, like yeah. 
we are all on some level totally. interacting with this idea of, um, as John said at the beginning, leading and at the same time being led. And how do we do that well in whatever context it's taking in our lives, right? That's brilliant. Yeah, I like that quote, leaders everywhere. We're mm-hmm. all leaders. You know, We're all influencing whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, there's formal and informal leadership structures for sure. Uh, you know, the formal structure is, you know, some, there's a wire diagram here and somewhere my name's in a box. But the informal yeah. leadership is where do people really turn when, when they're looking for influence mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Who, who really moves the needle in terms of how things happen around here, whether it's in a community structure or, or an organizational context or even within a family. And, and, and I, I really have to challenge myself around what is my personal vision? How am I submitting myself to a cause greater than self? Um, because it is a call to serve. And um, and then how am I showing it up in a way that helps us make leadership happen? Mm-hmm. So if we view leadership as a shared construct, I'm not waiting. I'm not a victim. I'm not waiting for others to make the call. I'm engaging with my community in such a way that we're making leadership happen collaboratively. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, good. So you brought to us this idea um, and you had us do a little bit of homework. So for yeah. those listening uh, along, um, you know, of, of thinking through um, transformational leadership and, mm-hmm. and transformational leaders that we have encountered. Um, and so why don't we, you know, kind of dig into that a little bit um, because I I don't know that I ever really had this context for yeah. um, leaders, coaches, teachers, parents, you know, whatever it is, but um, it, it kind of is a, a different uh, – I guess almost a different way of stating the mission of a leader, right? Um, so, so where is this transis- transformational leadership coming from? Yeah, you bet. Um, uh, so this is a, uh, a theory of leadership that's actually taught um, in the leadership course at West Point. Uh, it's based on a, a robust body of research. Uh, the two leading um, you know, thought leaders on this are got Bernard Bass and Bruce Avolio. Um, you know, what they looked at is a spectrum from completely transactional leadership uh, to uh, transformational leadership. Transactional leadership would be defined largely as seeing the leader-teammate leader, exchange as a um, uh, re- receiving something for a service. So almost mm-hmm. like a picture going through a grocery store line. Okay, I'm going to give you some money for this. So it's kind of this, my power is based on my rank and position. Uh, the, the teammates doing what they're asked to do because of some sort of hierarchical mm-hmm. power yeah. structure and reward punishment dynamic yep. um, versus their heart and soul and they're unleashed to a vision that's greater than even the, the two teammates that are maybe interacting around that in that right. moment. So transformational leadership on the other end of the spectrum is centered around um, – uh, you know, the other term that's often used for a similar con- is, is servant leadership. So the leader really does see, ha- has a sense of purpose in their work, that their their teammate, the individual teammates they have a privilege of working with and their organization leave better for having been engaged, um, have, have transformed, have developed and grown. And so typically what you'll see, a test of transformational leadership uh, at the individual level is after that teammate leaves, how have their values been influenced as a result of being engaged with that leader? Mm-hmm. And then at a, 
organizational level, you'll typically see one way of thinking about it is how has the organization's culture been influenced and changed as a result of that leader's influence? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, transformational leaders leave a vibrant wake. To, to, to go back to that metaphor of just a boat going down a river le- leaves a wake, or, or in a sense, every lead, each of us, um, if we use that fundamental, that, that assumption that all of us are leaders, um, uh, each of us is leaving a wake every day. And so I can, in, I can choose my wake. I, mm-hmm. Do I want it to be positive, engaged, and vibrant, or negative, drained? And transactional leaders may produce short-term results, but typically though they will leave a wake behind them that's toxic, negative, drained, people burned out, mm-hmm. people a bit demoralized. They have not developed and grown typically in, in terms of their own moral character and fiber as a human being. Yeah. Whereas transformational leaders, typically you'll see a wake that's vibrant, growing, and it's leaders of leaders. So those, they, their teammates now have a vision and they're equipped with the capacity to themselves grow leaders mm-hmm. for a lifetime. And, um, and transactional leaders will usually leave organizations that may have produced short-term results, but um, systems are broken. There, there, weren't inve- there were no investments made for a sustained, enduring organization. Right. So it will falter in time, whereas transformational leaders typically leave an organization behind that's vibrant, engaged, relevant, and has capabilities that are growing for the future. So transformational leaders usually have a vision for making investments today that may not even, the, re, the returns of which may not even be realized in their tenure as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I just keep going back to the idea of this is not, only happening in our professional space, right? You know, while you're describing transformational leaders, um, the word that came to mind is parent, right? That's what we want to be as parents um, is, is to actually make an impact on who our children are so that when they do eventually leave, that impact's not gone because we were just asserting our position as father but that we actually were growing them into somebody, you know. Um, so the the idea of I don't know, I just like the the idea that there is all of this information out there, all these studies that have been done on leading in the corporate space or the military space or whatever that is, but but the principles can still apply every day to our marriages, our kids are, you know, is, is really to me, uh, what's powerful about this idea of leadership and, um, and, and how we're all approaching because we all do need to approach it in some way. We have to be thinking about it. You know, if, if we're not thinking about how we are leading or how we are being led in all facets of our lives, then, then we're missing something that's going on that could be altered and, and improved. Right. So the other thing I was, I was reflecting on Nate, as Tom mentioned, you gave us homework, which as a learner, I love, um, it's been a while since somebody gave me homework. So again, as a classroom teacher, that's usually what I'm inflicting on others. So thank you for that as well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but the other thing I was realizing both as I listened to you talk about this and as I was reading through what you sent us is I don't know that I've encountered that many transformational leaders. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a jab at, you know, 
any of the people that I've encountered that I've been under from any sort of authority position, but maybe just more the recognition of how challenging it can be to embrace that sort of leadership style and to be that sort of leader, whether because you never saw it modeled yourself, nobody taught you how to do it. You didn't realize that was available. You're, you're simply following, you know, forms and fashions that have been done prior to you. Mm -hmm. Um, but you had asked us to think about transformational leaders that had affected us. And I really had to think for a while. Yeah. There were, there was not a long list of names that immediately jumped to mind of, oh yeah, this one and this one and that coach and that teacher and that boss. And I felt, I don't know, I just sad for a little <laughs> bit. And, and then thinking about myself and, you know, the, the leadership capacities that I've had officially. And then as well, like we've been talking about the unofficial places where I, I leave awake you know, whether intending to or not and, and doing a little bit of self-reflection and it was, this was challenging. So yeah. thank you for this and for just kind of shaking up our thinking on leadership and not allowing us to fall into just some of those traditional paradigms of, you know, you're the boss. So do X, Y, and Z to get more out of your employees. Yeah. Well, maybe I could start with one story of a leader who influenced me is, uh, he was my first company commander in the army. Um, his name was Pat McGowan. I, uh, the first mission I was given as a young um, lieutenant, uh, fresh out of ranger school uh, uh, and reporting to my first unit at Fort Drum, New York, was um, to lead a live fire exercise with a missile that at that time was so expensive we could only fire one a year. <laughs> and uh, uh, so you can imagine a big responsibility given to the, you know, the, the new teammate coming in. And so... Yeah. Um, it was quite a complex movement. Um, it was a dark, very cold, kind of wet, cold night, upstate New York, uh, right near the border of Canada. And um, so everything had gone so smoothly. We got into the ambush position for the scenario that we were playing. We flew by helicopter, movement by ground. Um, and uh, we're waiting for the signal to fire the missile, but we had to wait for the VIPs to fly in because it was a pretty big event. And so they came in and they're observing and we got signal to go ahead. So the soldiers go to turn on the, the night sight, the thermal night sight that would pick up the heat signature. And the fan that keeps the site cool uh, whirled on and died and the batteries were dead. So thank God we had a spare set of batteries. <laughs> Never have a single point of failure. That's yeah. right. And, and so, uh, so the soldiers slapped those spare batteries in, but the same thing. The, the batteries had not been charged properly. And with, with no batteries, you know, obviously we couldn't operate the site. And there was absolutely zero illumination that night. So there was no way we could fire the missile safely. So I had to call my commander and, uh, you know, tell him. He was back with the VIPs, tell him we couldn't fire the missile. And he's like, Roger, load the soldiers up on trucks. and. Um, get him back to the barracks and I'll meet you at the after action review tent. We had a tent set up with a train model, the whole mission. We were going to, obviously we were going to go in there and talk about how great we had done. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm trudging to the tent and I'm too new to know the implications really, but I, I know none of them are good. Yeah. You know? and, and it was some time, it is uh, uh, quite a period of time. He finally shows up, my commander, it's just him. We sit, he sits down and go, what'd you learn? And we had one of the most professional development conversations I've had in my entire life around roles and responsibilities as a leader. And even though that weapon system wasn't organic to my um, team, it was attached, how I'm responsible for it and how I can ensure it's mission ready. Mm -hmm. It wasn't later, though. It was much – that story didn't really influence me, though, until later where a, a, a 
colleague of mine was back when I had called in. He observed what happened when Mike, when Pat McGowan went to talk to his commander's commander and informed uh, that we weren't going to be able to fire the missile. And his response, um, keep in mind in, in the military, your commander two levels up is who influences your future, that evaluation. So he's telling the person who's going to influence his future that this mission isn't going to happen. Mm. And that individual put his hand on his forehead and started screaming and even spitting in his, not intentionally, but just that close in his face about what a failure this was. So Pat went from being screamed out in the face by the person who's determined his future to me and said, what'd you learn? Hmm. Yeah. He didn't say, I just took one for you. He, he, he didn't say anything about it. I, I had to learn about it from another colleague. And I tell you what, that baked into me an awareness of, I mean, Pat was transformation. He had a vision beyond the moment yeah. of his own success, his own, he, he was on a mission to serve and grow me. And he knew that what I needed in that moment was a developmental conversation. Yeah. And um, he was willing to make take a hit for himself to make that kind of investment in me. And I tell you what, I've been paying that forward ever since. Yeah. Uh, in terms That's of awesome. endorsing the honest mistakes of teammates for growth and development, for a long-term view in mind. I might, not, I might not be sitting here in this moment. You think about where that could have gone. Yeah. So um, that's one example for me that of, a, of a leader in my um, growth and development who truly showed up in a transformational way mm -hmm. and in a way that has influenced my values ever since. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's, I'm, that is the definition of transformational, right? Like, and it probably wasn't just that time either, I'm guessing. You know, right. That, he, did month, he did monthly counseling. So we'd sit down monthly and just talk about um, – what I mean by that, monthly developmental conversations. Mm -hmm. And so we would sit down and he would give me feedback on on uh, what he was observing, things that were working well with, with my team, things that he would encourage me to think about improving, both in terms of myself and my team. Yeah. So there was a culture that he had thought through and totally. was very intentional about that totally. he was setting up, yeah. in which that situation happened, but, but exactly. was around the whole time. Yeah, that's a great point. You don't switch. You don't flip a switch and arrive. At the, it takes, mm -hmm. I think, a lot of going back to the that focus on self. Yeah, um, it takes a lot of reflection and personal growth and development to get to a point where, in that moment, we're yeah. ready to show up in a way that aligns with our values and we're pleased with how yeah. we showed up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I really like what you were getting there. What you were getting at there, Tom. Just the the consistency piece. That right. We can all probably stumble into transformational moments in whatever capacity we're having influence, but that intentionality to self-awareness, that intentionality of what is the effect that I'm having and am I having a consistent effect rather than accidentally having a great moment here and then, you know, being the guy grabbing somebody's forehead and screaming in their face right. because you're not paying attention to, you know, what are my values? What is my vision? What am I truly after here? And I think that was some of what I was stumbling into as I was reflecting on transformational leaders in my life is I felt like there were, there were probably some accidental moments of transformation, but the consistency of character, the consistency of vision maybe wasn't there. But, um, the one that, that I finally arrived at that I'm now realizing just reflecting on this had so many of these characteristics was a professor that I had in college. And, you know, I was, I was a good, I was a good worker in school. I, I kind of figured out how to game the system 
I was smart enough to do well without having to really do well. And so when I got to college, I'd kind of just gotten by on coasting. And so my freshman year, I have this college professor who's overseeing kind of this broad, I don't know, I guess you'd call it a humanities course, but it was a combination of like an English class and a philosophy class and a theology class and just kind of all these things kind of smashed into one. The reading list for that class was incredibly <laughs> diverse. Uh, and there was a lot of, there were a lot of papers to write. And so I remember I turned in my first essay and I'd become a good writer uh, throughout my academic career. And I turned in my first paper to him and you know, it was incredibly thoughtful the the responses and the reflection that he provided for me but what was most memorable was the grade which was a c minus which mm. i couldn't ever recall having you know done that poorly you know in an objective way and his comments at the bottom were something that stuck with me for a long time and i i don't remember word for word but it was something to the effect of you are capable of so much more than this mm. i can tell in your writing that you're essentially holding back stop holding back no. And so he invited me to revise it, which, again, you reflect on it later with the benefit of some perspective and some hindsight. I mean, he was grading hundreds of papers routinely, you know, multiple times throughout a semester. And so even just extending the invitation for one more means one more he has to grade. And so that self-sacrificial piece of of being willing to invest in me and, and pay the price that that'll require. And so I begrudgingly did the revision and I turned it back in. And again, the comments were just as thoughtful and just as thorough. And as a student at the time, my only thought was for the grade. <laughs> and it was a C plus. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I, I actually spent time on this now. Like I didn't just phone it in like I did the first draft. I tried. And he said, I know, I can tell. This is a huge improvement. You're still capable of more. Hmm. I was like, Okay, so so what do we do? He said, revise it. Look at look at the feedback. Look at the suggestions. Take another swing. I'd never done a third draft in my life at this point, and so I go back and I do the third. And I was this was probably even more begrudging. I don't think I'd reached the inspired point yet. I think I was probably just more frustrated than anything else because I just I wanted the transaction right. Give me the thing that I want so we can move on with our day. And I think I ended up going through five drafts. And he graded each one and provided even more thoughtful feedback. And I got to the last one. And by this point, I think I was inspired. I was like, all right, I'm going to play your game. And I'm going to write the best damn paper I have ever written in my life, but still transactional. And I will get that A. And so I turned in this paper. And it was right near the end of the semester. So this was kind of the last shot. And <laughs> I, I still laugh about it. But... You know, his, his written comments were, yes, this this is it. You, you're getting there. B plus, A minus. I'm like, is that even a legal grade? <laughs> How do you enter that in the grade book? But it was even in that moment where he, I'm getting that, that sense of validation of I'm on the right track. It was still very much that sentiment of I'm on the right track. I haven't arrived. And I still apparently have even more untapped potential that I don't realize. But if I keep pursuing this path, if I'm willing to go in this direction, there's apparently something really, really good waiting for me if I can commit. And so just his willingness to endure through that process and 
to never be critical, even in his critiques, and to constantly offer new opportunities for development, to never have it be the definitive ending point of, well, it just wasn't good enough, you know, see you next time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially in an environment where that's that's usually the norm, right? There's usually definitive ending points, and this is your grade, yeah. win, lose, or draw. And and so that's that stuck with me ever since. But so has that B plus A minus of <laughs> there's still more in you that you're not seeing. But if you'll just keep pursuing this path of development, you'll start to realize it. Yeah. What I like about both of your guys' stories and mine also that I'll share um, is the level of personal investment that that those guys had in your lives. Yeah. You know, because John, I'm sure that professor was not extending that offer to all of their students in that way. Um, you know, there was something that that those people saw in the two of you that they thought was worthy of the investment and of trying to bring that transformation out in you, mm-hmm. um, which I think go- goes back to the the self selfish versus selfless. Right? Is I need to be aware enough of myself so that I can turn that around and pull those things out of other people, yeah. um, and and lead from that way. Uh, that's a really cool point. We can't give what we don't have. Yeah. 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 And so part of my own focus on my development is so that I can give more mm-hmm. in, in more richer and meaningful ways. Yeah. Do you mind if I just comment on your, yeah. it was a, by the way, wonderful example. Um, so transformational leader theory has some leader behaviors that are linked to it having a transformational effect. And two of them that have uh, high, the highest probability of having an individual impact are communicate, communi- communicating high expectations and confidence mm-hmm. and individualized concern and consideration. Mm-hmm. So you think about that. He, he demonstrated those powerfully. Yeah. Individualized concern and consideration uh, where absolutely spending one-on-one time with you, giving you individual feedback willing to engage with you, taking you on that journey from performance orientation to mastery orientation, mm-hmm. yeah. where you're falling in love with the body of work, you're falling in love with the process yeah. instead of just trying to get a grade. Yeah. And and so he had this vision for you that was, and that's the communicating high expectations and confidence. He's communicating high expectations, but he's also saying, I believe you can do this yeah. and do more. And so that's it. It's tough love. Yeah. And, and what I'll see when, when leaders, in fact, it's guaranteed. If I want to have a transformational impact at an individual level, whether it's as a parent or as a, as a leader with my teammates, if I show individualized concern and consideration from, a, from an authentic place of, of love, trust, and respect, mm-hmm. and I communicate high expectations and confidence, I will have a transformational impact. Yeah. And in my experience, most leaders lean towards one direction or the other. But, but each is necessary, but not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if I show individualized concern and consideration, but I don't communicate high expectations and confidence, it I'm not going to have it's, it's not going to have the stick. Yeah. If if I show high expectations and confidence, but I don't show individualized concern and consideration, the teammate may list miss my heart of love and may not be able to take that journey with me. So, yeah. um, in fact, I tell you know if, if I don't love my teammates, it's better not to even do this. Yeah. Because, but but if I'm coming from a place of love and wanting what, willing to sacrifice of myself for what's best for them, 
this is a magnificent approach. Yeah. Um, and then I can be self-aware enough to know, okay, I have a tendency towards the high expectations of confidence or I have a tendency towards uh, individualized consideration. So I'm going to have to, as a leader, I'm going to have to be aware and not, and, and not fall off the horse one side or the other, but kind of ensure yeah. that I'm providing both to my teammates. And, and the, your professor did a wonderful job uh, doing that for you mm-hmm. in a way that actually inspired you to go above and beyond um, what probably any, he probably describes you as one of his best students he's ever had is mm-hmm. my guess. Well, it was funny, you know, Tom, you mentioned, you know, he probably wasn't doing that for anyone else or not many others. And, you know, I don't know, obviously, but uh, he passed away unexpectedly a few years after I graduated. And the outpouring Hmm. from the recent graduates, Hmm. you know, talk about having a legacy that extends beyond the generation itself, um, was an amazing testimony to how much he had been able to invest in whatever capacity in individual lives. Mm-hmm. And so that more than anything else really kind of cemented for me that this guy really was a transformational leader, that this wasn't accidental transformation. He stumbled into it with one student, he had a con- but this was how he conducted himself. Yeah, And, you know, not necessarily publicly for all to see, but privately one relationship at a time. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that just goes to the overall culture that that leader establishes, right? He may not have been investing personally to the level that he did in you throughout right. this semester, but but that was definitely experienced in some way by all of the students that he had in class yeah. just because of the way that he, you know, approaches the lecture or approaches office hours or, yeah. you know. Um, and when you were saying, you know, you can kind of stumble into having a transformational leadership moment, I feel like the chances of that to me feel really slim if you're not doing the work yeah. ahead of time. You know, Nate, you had talked about the importance of preparation on one end of the cycle and then reflection on the other. Um, you know, it, it, I feel like it's just going to be a rare, happy accident where you can have that investment in a moment in, in somebody that you're leading or, or in being led, um, if the work's not put into kind of establishing that culture around you all of the time and, and therefore creating those transformational moments almost by default, right? Because it's just, that's who I am and how I do and and how we are going to approach this Mm -hmm. as we move forward. That's a really, such a cool insight, uh, like true transformations, whether it's personal transformation or organizational, are are rarely a one-time event. They're, they're small yeah. things that are done consistently over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we are defined by our habits and routines and rhythms. And so um, I do think that a, um, a core component to um, ongoing formation is having clarity for ourselves, what are our own personal habits and routines that, yeah. that will over time have that kind of impact. And then as a, as a leader in an organization or, or as a member of a leadership team, really thinking through culture and what are the, what's the organizational cadence or what are the, what are the rhythms we're going to establish for our organization that over time we believe will have that kind of transformational impact. Yeah. yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. What, what was your story, Tom? So uh, kind of the same as John, you know, I had to really think through uh, my experiences of being led um, 
to kind of find somebody that I thought really embodied this transformational idea. And for me, it was um, one of my track coaches. So I know it's not the same um, everywhere, but in New York, um, where we grew up, they actually had uh, middle school interscholastic sports. And so you could you could actually make the football basketball team in, in seventh and eighth grade. Um, for track and field, um, we just we walked down from the middle school to the high school and we participated with the high schoolers. Um, and so it was sort of just one track program instead of a separate middle school team. Um, so from a pretty early age, at least in terms of interscholastic sports, I was able to um, to interact on a higher level. And our assistant coach, um, who was the assistant coach of the program, um, but he really kind of, it was his, his thing to invest in the younger middle school kids, um, and build the program that way, you know, and invest in the program through the, through the younger kids. Um, and I was, I was tiny. I mean, I started running in seventh grade. Um, I didn't hit my growth spurt until midway through high school. Um, and so I was, I was small, but somehow got it into my head that I wanted to be a hurdler. Um, and I just remember he was willing to run with that, um, you know, and, and to do what it took so that I believed that I could achieve that goal. Um, so much to the point where we, we kind of, we broke rules a little bit, like in, in seventh and eighth grade when we would go to smaller meets, he actually convinced the officials to allow me to race with the girls, um, because the hurdles were a little bit shorter and they were a little bit closer. And, and so it was a little bit more in my physical capacity, um, at the time. Um, and so he was really invested in building the groundwork, knowing, well, he's not always going to be four and a half feet tall. And at some point, you know, the physical capability will show up. And so let's build the habits of mind and the habits of body so that when those physical capabilities show up, he's ready to step into that. Um, you know, and that's, that's what ended up happening. You know, I, I spent a couple of years, um, you know, either racing with the girls or, or practicing with the hurdles at not the right spacing so that I could get the rhythm down and all of those things. And then lo and behold, a couple of years later, I shoot up uh, and now I'm, I'm actually ready to, to race the hurdles the way that they were intended to be raced and, and actually go on to achieve a level of success um, at that, that, that really at the time kind of um, almost exceeded the coach's ability to coach. I mean, they had not had a hurdler get to the point where I was getting to. Um, and so we're so somewhat at a loss when I actually took off on my own, but it was because of that groundwork and that, uh, trust. And I think really, like I said, instilling the belief that I could do this, that I wasn't failing because I couldn't do my goal now that we're, we're getting you to the point where you will be able to, to hit that goal. Um, and so that was one that really stuck out for me and, and created a love for the sport because it very easily could have gone the other way. And I could have been extremely discouraged. I had been with a lot of sports prior to that, um, because I wasn't, uh, you know, a great basketball or baseball player or things like that. Um, you know, but I have a love for the sport to this day 
because of uh, because of what that coach did and um, and even went on to become a coach myself because of the way that I saw him uh, coach our program. Wow. Yeah. That's a wonderful example. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Well, you know, I love that quote, the shadow of the future is long. Mm. Like your coach wasn't sitting there going, someday Tom's going to be, he might have had, he might have seen, but, but you're, you're making that investment in the moment um, because it's coming from a place of, this is my, this is the place from which I most authentically lead. And he's serving, you know, and, and he's, he's in a sense, um, and again, those two, you can see those two constructs of individualized concern and consideration, yep. even like adapting the, the height of the, you know, having you race with, you know, with yep. the women at first so that, you know, to give you a chance to develop the capability set as you grow, yep. grew. Um, and then high expectations of competence. Uh, so it's just fun to hear those two threads again of mm-hmm. the secret sauce of having a transformational impact at the individual level or those two levers. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And it's good to have those lenses too, because I think that actually makes it a little bit easier probably to do the exercise than, than when John and I were doing it is like, do you see these two things happening mm-hmm. in, in a leader, um, as sort of red flags for this is somebody that that's going to actually cause transformation. And, and I can even think to myself, I can go, okay, is there a teammate out there who I haven't reached out to personally connect with? Mm. Is there something that maybe I could show a little more individualized concern and considerations or something that maybe is there an experience that they're looking for a growth opportunity or an area of passion and interest like yours. Yeah. But maybe if I just poured a little gasoline on or asked them how right. to support you, I could pull that lever of individualized concern and consideration. Yeah. I can also think, is there a teammate who maybe needs a little bit of challenge? Mm-hmm. You know, they're a great writer like John, uh, but I know how capable they are. So I'm going to start to give them, clear feedback and a, and a, and in a sense calling out identity mm-hmm. to something greater because I see that in them, but they're going to need that push. And so it, it does give a lens also for me to, or with my children, even, um, I think one of the most challenging things I face as a parent is to know when to push and when to step back and let my children sort it out. And I can think of times where I pushed too hard, mm-hmm. wished I just eased off, let them figure it out. They're going to they're mm-hmm. sort this one out. I can also think of times where I wish I would have pushed a little harder. They, they could have used a nudge. Yeah. And so um, I, I think it's important to hold the tension. Yeah. Like the time we don't feel tension is when we've fallen off the horse one side or the other. It's tension that keeps us upright in the horse. Yeah. And um, are we going to hit it perfect every time? No way. But having, the, having those as kind of um, rail guards for our thinking can help us hold the tension as we think about how to lead effectively at an individual level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. You just subtly shifted, right? We were talking about leaders in our lives and you just like, and here's how we go and, <laughs> and lead from, you know, and how we can mentally frame our leadership interactions. Um, Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah. I, yeah I but it wasn't intentional. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> so I, I was, it's I always was, nice when retrospectively awesome. it kind of works out. Um, then, so, so we have been talking quite a bit about a lot of a lot of influence we have as men and women of consequence and character. Let's just define it that way. Like there's there's this element of how we show up matters in people's lives in a profound way, um, re- regardless of uh, whatever 
title we have, we're right. all leading in some way. We're all influencing. We're mm-hmm. all influencing and impacting others. And so um, uh, at an organizational level, um, from a transformational leadership theory perspective, two of the leader behaviors tied to having a transformational impact at an organizational level that are also based from this theory are uh, the capacity to develop and communicate a clear vision, a cast and envision future that's clear and compelling, and in, in a sense, create a context in which that's collaboratively designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in, um, as even, even if I have a sense of, of where we're going and, and I'm seeing that, what I want to do is create a conversation with my team for us to co-create that envision future together and mm-hmm. co-create the strategy or the way we're going to right. in, engage with our environment in such a way that we, we achieve that envision mm-hmm. future or move in that direction. And then um, typically you'll see a use of unconventional innovative strategies linked to having right. a true trans- – not, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about st- maintaining status quo. I'm talking about having a true organizational transformational impact. You're, you're typically seeing clarity of vision and co-creation of vision in a community construct in, from an informal social system perspective and then typically seeing that system doing things that are innovative and creative yeah. um, in a unique new way of engaging. Um, having said that, John Carter has, I think, some helpful work on the functions of leadership. So he doesn't spend a lot of time trying to define leadership. Uh, there's a, there's hundreds of definitions. Yeah. Uh, what he does focus his research on is what does leadership provide? Mm. And he uses that pretty, a fairly common construct out there now, the kind of leadership versus management. And of course, as leaders, we have to do both. We have to lead and manage. What he, what he says is that the leadership functions are setting clear direction, which would include the what and the why, um, aligning the organization around that so that everyone's you know, picture a crew team. Every, everything is streamlined and pulling and engaged yep. in such a way. Uh, there's no misalignment. Um, and then engage, creating engagement in uh, such a way that um, there's a sense of inspiration. And so uh, the management functions are planning, organizing, controlling, and problem solving. And so you can see where um, I have to do both. But increasingly, as if, if I want to be thinking about having a transformational impact, I've got to really work at my capacity to, in an ongoing way, cast, create, cast, foster this sense of vision and an envision future, um, and then uh, aligning through ongoing conversations, dialogue, and, and organizational rhythms that align the organization's entire energies and capabilities mm-hmm. towards that vision. Um, Similar to, you know, if you've ever driven a misaligned car, there's just a pull. Mm-hmm. What, what, what alignment does is it allows for that, all the organization's energy and resources to be flowing in that simple, clear direction. Yeah. Or we could take all the ambient light in this room and, and have it dissipate, or we could hone it like a laser beam and burn a hole through the wall. Mm-hmm. That's right. what alignment does. Yeah. Um, so there's clarity of priorities. There's clarity of um, uh, culture and per- align all communication decisions are all aligned with that envisioned future. And then finally, um, you, uh, that focus on engagement and, uh, 
motivating, motivation inspiring. You, you see this as a function of leadership. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's helpful to be thinking about what are the, what are, what is my, if, what would it even take my game to the next level in my capacity to create a sense of vision and what this is all about and um, create conversations with my team and keep reminding my team, keep bringing my team back to uh, what our purpose is and wh- yeah. what our envisioned future is. Yeah. Um, and then thinking creatively around how to uh, create and then sustain alignment. And then um, in my experience, that level of engagement and uh, a sense of connection with the meaning of the work at an individual level is is typically um, through deep personal one-on-one relationships. There's just no way around it. Now, do I as a yeah. leader have to have all those? No, I, but I have to build a leadership team that can make that happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm, in a sense, I'm scaling myself through others by, by investing in leaders who then do the same through others. So everyone in the organization in the team context is, is deeply connected and connected and rooted in high trust relationships. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, any questions? Yeah, we got to wrap up. Yeah. Cool. Well, and it's interesting too. I mean, I'm, I've had to shut my brain off so many times during this conversation because as you've been talking, Nate, and as we've been kind of reflecting on all this, I just, I keep turning to so many facets of my life mm. where I feel like, all right, I need to start making some changes or there are things that I would like to do better. Or there are things that I'm recognizing I may have been accidentally doing well, but now want to be more intentional about how I'm doing them. I have to keep, you know, shutting that off. And thank God we're recording this because I'm going to go back and listen <laughs> to this many, many times. Yeah. Um, but it, this this feels like a great pause point to to take some of this and begin to digest and process. And and I love one of the last things that you said of how can I take the next step. How can I take my team, whatever my team is, uh, you know, whether it's your family or whether it's in an occupational setting or, or whatever the setting is, how can I take the next step? Because as you mentioned so many times, this is a lifelong journey yeah. that who I am as a leader is constantly developing and improving throughout the course of my life. And I think one of the things that's always easy to hear um, regardless of the setting that we find ourselves in is I should be better than I am right now, right? I I should be further along. I just learned something new. Why wasn't I already doing it? Or how quickly can I begin to do this so I don't have to deal with the tension of, you know, not yet being where I now begin to realize I could be, or my team could be, or, or whatever the case. And, and I just love how kindly you've delivered all this of expanding our understanding of what a leader and what leadership can look like. And then at the same time, like we were all sharing with our stories of transformational leaders, just the invitation to do the next thing. You know, the, the question that, that your commander asked you, so what'd you learn, you know, to not have to have totally mastered and digested and dissected the process, but what's the next step? What'd you learn? And so as we hit pause on this, you know, we definitely are going to continue this conversation. If nothing else, we may just replay this and then sit around <laughs> and talk about it some more. Um, but obviously there is so much more. So Nate, first and foremost, thank you for being yeah, here with us me. and for sharing your stories, for sharing your experiences and in such an accessible way that 
I mean, just speaking for me, but Tom's nodding, so probably him too. Yeah, um, that inspires a next step without you know placing the weight on the shoulders of expecting full development already. So just thank you. That's awesome. No, thanks. Yeah. The, uh, um, I think also a next step, if you don't mind me offering, is yeah. um, it can take a ton of pressure off me if I can think about leadership as a shared construct in this sense that what's the team I can build around me? What's, what's the team in any environment I'm in that can make leadership happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I feel like that's very free and, and more aligned with how things really happen anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. And so the more effective leaders that I, I feel like I've observed are always thinking about shared leadership and building a team that, en- that engages in such a way that, um, leadership is happening through that team. Right. And then typically they're thinking generationally. Yeah. So it doesn't stop with them. It's it's how do we scale this in such a way that um, we're we're investing in others in such a way that they can't they're equipped to do this and they have a vision to themselves do this. Mm-hmm. And so um, maybe I'll close with a quick metaphor on that. But um, uh, uh, it's third generation leadership. Uh, originally heard it from a friend and mentor, Dan Waldridge. Uh, first generation leadership is all. Uh, in, well, I'll use parenting as a way of unpacking this, but it does link to this, what, is, what do I want my legacy to be as a leader? So first-generation parenting would be all about me. Um, so the house is clean and neat, so I'm comfortable. The kids are super polite to everybody in public life, so everyone thinks I'm a great parent. So sure. anyway, yep. somehow it comes yep. back to me. Second-generation parenting would be I'm investing in my kids in such a way that they develop and grow and reach their full potential and contribute to society in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Third generation parenting would be I'm investing in my kids in such a way that I'm also seeing through them towards my grandchildren so that they have a vision and a capacity to themselves grow and invest in their children in such a way that they reach their full potential and contribute to society mm. in a meaningful mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So if you take that to our practice of leadership, first generation leadership would be all about me. So in a sense, um, like I might say, if I, if I delegate something, I might say, hey, you better not screw this up. Why? Don't make me look bad. Right. Kind of thing. Second generation leadership would be I'm investing in my teammates in such a way that they reach their full potential, contribute to the organization in a meaningful way. And then third generation leadership is just adding that subtle shift where um, I'm investing in others in such a way that they in turn are, have a vision for and equipped to grow leaders who also have a vision and capacity to do the same. Right. That's good. So. That's really powerful. Thanks, man. Yeah. We appreciate you being here. It's great to be here, guys. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. So many other questions I want to ask, but for right now, like we said, we'll hit pause. So thank you for being with us for this conversation. Um, and again, as we've been talking about, we would love to hear you connect with us through the Facebook community, uh, through the website, through social media. Uh, because again, as we started with this, you know, it's all about asking the questions, sharing the stories. And through that shared community, through those shared stories, you know, hopefully we begin to see some of that transformation that we're looking for. So again, Nate, thanks for being with us. Thank you all for being with us and we'll see you next time. Right on.